Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Well, thank you for joining me for episode 109. We've gone and got ourselves a few more Patreon supporters. Thank you very much. It's genuinely got to a point now where we can't put this out without your support, so thank you very much. If you'd like the support from as little as £3 a month, you can go to the Instagram bios of the Ministry of Arts or Mizogart and just follow the link there. Or not, that's fine. The content goes out either way. Anyway... Episode 109. This episode's a little bit special. It's an artist called Chelsea Lee Winterbottom, who I become mates with about, I don't know, eight or nine months ago? Last summer, anyway. I was doing an Instagram live for the VR show with um, Roy Tyson, artist and founder of Roy's Art Fair. Well, Chelsea was watching, and I hit on a couple of subjects that resonated with her. Namely, the confidence of being your own person within the art world as well as the old faithful imposter syndrome. We've all been there, right? Anyway, she contacted me after the recording, and she was saying how she's battling with just that, and it doesn't seem to be getting any easier. But if I give you a bit more context, Chelsea's an abstract painter that sells her work in the commercial world, often participating in art fairs. Well, before March last year, anyway. 
So having to stand there on your stall and selling your work face to face is daunting for anyone, right? I mean, Chelsea uses so much fun and personality. By the end of this podcast, she's going to be your mate as well. And although she's so confident in her own art and practice, when she has to stand in front of the public and time after time try and relay how much emotion she puts into her artwork, she feels like her words become false after a while and her confidence turns to insecurity. And I know we've all had that bit of imposter syndrome or trying to find our identity or our place in the art world. But that journey is sometimes less comfortable for other people, you know. But saying we've all been there or it'll come with time is no good for anyone who's enduring that discomfort. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not like Chelsea and I are having some sort of therapy session here and she's just churning out buckets of negativity. It's not like that at all. It's just a really interesting podcast because it's somewhere most of us have already been, you know. And truth be told, a lot of us are still in that position, but we've learned to contain it, right? So, let me just read you a little something about Chelsea. She says that nature inspires her colour palette and the notion of play allows her to break the conscious boundaries of what to paint and how to paint it. She creates emotional abstract self-portraits, allowing herself the freedom of expression on a physical level when painting with her hands. Although there's much structure to her creations and how they are executed, Chelsea allows herself to play when painting and ignore previous connotations of right and wrong. Each artwork is an emotional abstract self-portrait, however she will not disclose exactly what those emotions are for individual pieces, as this could sway the viewer's feelings of that artwork. Yes, I know exactly what she means. I mean, most of us want to set the viewer on a path as they're looking at our artwork, but Chelsea likes them to weave their own way through her artwork. Pretty bold move, if you ask me. Anyway, buckle up and come with me to meet Chelsea Lee Winterbottom. Is that the one you was working on yesterday you got there? This massive seven-foot piece. Oh, is that how big it is? I couldn't see the scale from here. You can't, because it don't fit in the frame. Hang on. <laughs> Good on you. It's huge. It's yeah. ridiculous. But I love it. I love working massive. And when I get the opportunity to have a client that just has the ability to have a massive piece in their home, oh, my gosh, it's it's a godsend. But, yeah, I've been working on that um, for about two or three months now because it's wow. oil paint. There's so many layers and... Some of it has to partially dry and then yeah. you've got to add more. And it's definitely a process, but it's good fun. It's good giggle. Did you did you see the size of the wall that they had before you started the painting? So you sort yeah, of yeah, half yeah. talked them into a... Yeah, a well, I say, I, yeah, so you say talked them into. I, I kind of, I spurred them on a little bit, but they yeah. were already of the opinion that they wanted a massive piece. So... Oh, yeah. For any bespoke commission I do, I do a consultation. With COVID, it's a bit, it was a bit difficult last year, um, but I usually go around, do a home visit type situation and look at the, the area that they're wanting a painting and then look at the light, look at the size of the room, look at the surroundings and, and take that all in and kind of make a bit of a mental note and a physical note of it all, yeah. just to kind of make sure I can then create something that will absolutely fit there as opposed to something that just 
is stuck there. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. So you're it's, it's sort of going down the line of a decorative artwork because you're taking in its environment and making sure your artwork fits with their home rather than yeah. just uh, making an artwork and, like you say, it being put on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with artworks that go on people's walls. I think art in general is friggin' awesome and should be everywhere and coating walls left, right and centre. But um, yeah, a lot with my clients for bespoke stuff, it depends because sometimes I've had clients that want specific sizes. That's it. I've had a client that wanted uh, three pieces that own, the only requirements was that the exact same lime green colour from their sofa featured in the artwork, yeah. which was great. It was like a proper candy apple, like green. It was beautiful. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a weird one because I do take in their surroundings with regards to colour, shape, kind of where the lighting is what I think would be a good representation of me in their home, if yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But it's still uh, an abstract self-portrait. So it's it's still what I would do anyway, just with slight requirements of like colour or, or size and things. So Yeah. Well, I've heard you mention that abstract self-portrait a few times. And the first question that I've mm. got here of my list of seven <laughs> is, is how would you explain what you do to someone that didn't know your work? So there's a bit of a backstory, I think, with education and learning art and this, that and the other that I went through in my life, kind of feeling a bit confined. And there were certainly boundaries. I think with school and college, it was definitely a case of you have to have a sketchbook and you have to fill this brief and you have to do it this way. And if it's not this way, then you're shit and yeah. all this kind of stuff going on. Um, it wasn't until uni where I kind of was like, holy shit, I can photograph, I, I can take videos of trains, I can project my hands onto a dress, like so much more I could do. So I kind of I pushed my own boundaries, I think, um, in university. And I wanted to create kind of like realities that weren't quite realities, but had emotional attachments to it and things. Yeah. So I did a lot of photography and, and stuff like that. And then through that, I've, I've got to a point where I just had to push out all previous rules and restrictions about how I would paint. And I got, I legitimately just got myself a canvas. I got some kitchen roll, blobs of paint, and I scrunched the kitchen roll up and I just felt what I was feeling at the time, whatever emotion that was. And I just created something that was as trying to be as close to a representation of my emotion as possible. Yeah. So my work, each piece is different and each series is different, but there is still a kind of a running style there with each series. Um, but it is a, a representation of me and my emotions as a self-portrait. And that's just because self-portrait as a traditional term has always been figurative like the face and I'm shit at portraits I really yeah. am honestly I'm so bad at them but I kind of think that as emotional beings I'm that's a massive part of my identity and who I am yeah. and it should be a portrait so so yeah so I I, I create abstract emotional self-portraits 
Yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's a, 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 a portrait of the self, isn't it, you know? I think for me and my, my personal journey and my ability to basically kind of, it's diary keeping, is it, it's quite an honest way of being very personal to myself but opening up for everyone else to see. I think it's, it's there has been times where it's kind of like, oh, you have to act a certain way, you have to feel a certain way, stop crying all the time, it's only spilt milk, blah, blah, fucking blah. Yeah. And it's, it's a journey that I can take and have been taken for a while where actually my anxiety and my emotional scars are weapons that I use to create artworks as a celebration of who I am so it's it's just me essentially trying to put out there and show people that having a mental illness like anxiety or depression or anything like that it's not a taboo subject it shouldn't fucking be a taboo subject anymore it should be something that's celebrated for the fact that we are emotional creatures and beings and our emotional state is just as important, if not more so, than what you see on the surface, yeah. which is kind of quite representational of abstract art in itself, like being a depiction of a visual reality. Let's kind of push that further into kind of the being itself. So who we are on the inside, showcase that. Don't be afraid of that. Be honest about it um, and try and make some money. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, that's the, the bottom <laughs> the line of, of it. I mean, that that's how me and you got speaking in the first place, isn't it? We was sort of talking about um, mental health. Yeah. Was it when I was speaking to Roy's people? Yeah, so you did a, um, you were on a live interview with Roy. Uh, it, it. I think it was Roy or Will. It was one of them, I can't remember now. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was your absolute honesty and this is me this is who I am this is what I've done in my life and this is how I've used that as a strength to do what I do now and I was just like fucking hallelujah like amen I love the honesty and there was no which is difficult sometimes and I felt it and I'm sure others have as well where there's almost like this you have to be a professional person to then create sale and this that, and the other. Absolutely you do. But I think you also have to really be true to yourself and honest with everyone else about what you're, what you're standing for and what you're representing. So when I saw your video, I was just like, Oh my God, I've got to message, message this guy. Like, so yes. And I sent you a massive message going, Hey, I'm a big fan. Thanks. (laughs) It's it's why what you say, I mean, it's it's a bit, harder you because you you go more down the commercial art line with the art fairs um yours are going straight into into people's homes yeah so i can understand your concern that if you're having a bad week for instance that's Mm going to reflect in your artwork and it could come out as a an artwork that's got a bit of misery or dark mood about it and that may not be what someone wants in their house if you was talking about that person just now with the lime green sofa yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. that's so that's that's quite a tricky thing sometimes but what I 
I get such pleasure out of is when I do like the art fairs and this, that and the other, and I showcase my works and I have, I invite people in to me, essentially see who I am mm. with my artwork as that representation. I keep saying that fucking word, but that's what it is. I have a painting that maybe I did when I was quite angry or frustrated. And I know that, but I don't tell anyone that most, all of my paintings are numbered. So they're not like titled sad or angry or anything like that, because I, I am inviting you to see what you see as, as what I've painted. So I had a lady that turned around once with one of my paintings and she was just like, oh, I love that. It reminds me of hanging the washing out on a washing line when I was about five. <laughs> and I was like, that's fucking Excellent. awesome. Like, yeah. It's so random. But I think that's the beauty of abstract art is people see what they see regardless of what it's representing. And yeah. I think with abstract portraiture, it's kind of inviting people to look at themselves as much as they are looking at me. Yeah. So it is difficult sometimes when clients, um, for example, are looking for a happy image, but then if you don't tell them what mood you were in when you painted it, they're gonna look at it how they look at it anyway. So yeah. they actually might see it as a happy image, even though it wasn't painted as such in the first place, yeah. which is why I then don't change people's minds and be like, oh no, you're wrong. Cause fuck that, there's no wrong answers in art. <laughs> Yeah. have you tried inverting an artwork yes yeah so this one behind me so the affair series each one was numbered like a fair one a fair two a fair three so all positive numbers with the white background and the black paint and greys so I think it was the second time I was at Roy's um I then created the negative side so I started with a fair minus one minus two, minus three, and they've all got black backgrounds with the white paint and the greys and the colours. So yeah, I have tried kind of doing the negatives, um, but they definitely give off more of a, a darker vibe, yeah. which, which I, it, not that I didn't like it, it was just, if I was in a really positive mood one day, it was hard to show that with a black background because yeah. it, it kind of niched the feeling a bit. Um, and then I didn't want to get into a point where I was creating an artwork and then halfway through my feelings or emotions changed um, because then that painting isn't right and I need to start again when yeah. I'm feeling it yeah. truly. So, because I've had that quite a few times when I've worked on a piece where I've had a, a specific feeling at the beginning and then halfway through the artworks changed because I've, felt more calm or more relaxed or yeah. happier. And it's just like, oh shit, that's not, that's not true to that feeling. So let's just shelf that for a minute and come back to it. So I do do a lot of chopping and changing. Yeah, because if you were to invert that one, I think that color would come out a sort of greeny sort of color, wouldn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. If you do, yeah, if you invert colors as well, not just obviously, yeah, going um, opposites, yeah. And And when you give yours a title, is that what you do? You do a series of what you're saying there, like emotions and call it emotion one. Yeah. So, so each piece is numbered from the series. So my first, what my first series was the golden collective, but the main series that I've been working on for a long time is my love affair with paint. So then each piece from that series is called affair one, affair two, affair three, and so on and so on. Um, and that's just because I, I don't want to, I, I'm being very honest with 
the artworks I'm producing, but I don't want to be as honest as to then put the idea in your head when you see it of what it is or what it represents. It, in general, it just represents me. I don't want to go into the the kind of focus areas of exactly what feeling and emotion I have attached to each individual painting. Because yeah. I want it to be open to interpretation. And I love some of the answers that I get, like the washing line. And I've had someone that said it was a, a load of knickers. I was like, okay, I think that says more about you than just me, huh? but, <laughs> but no, I, I love it. I love hearing what people see. It's, it's beautiful. It's lovely. Well, if you was working um, a lot with um, art fairs, has it been since COVID when everything's shut down and everyone's trying to sell as much as they can online? I, I will be completely honest and say I have this commission going on at the minute and I sold one piece last year through covid so it's it's super difficult but i i also have been working massively on myself i know that sounds really cliche but i've been pushing boundaries with what i've been doing recently as well um and i actually started doing lots more with color color was always something that scared me a little bit because i've never been very confident i've always been like oh black and white and oh dark like my soul um <laughs> <laughs> a goth, but now it's a closet like, goth. <laughs> yeah but like but now I'm kind of like oh I like green and I like blue and I'm gonna yeah. play and that's been a big part of my process is playing but yeah sales have been have been difficult because of not being able to um have the exposure of shows and this that and the other and and I'm not one for throwing emails and portfolios out at galleries and stuff I mean rejections terrifies the shit out of me so I'd rather just not <laughs> but um but yeah it's, it's a difficult time not having shows because it regardless of a sale or not a sale is always a bonus it's the networking and it's the it, you're exhausted by the end of it but yeah. it's that weird little artistic family vibe that you get and you get to chat to people and get inspired and yeah I do miss shows I do did you always have art in the family growing up? I, I've always painted and I've always like drawn and stuff growing up. But um, I think it was, it was a bit of a weird one, really, because my dad's quite conservative and very kind of business minded and things like that. And he is what, like my hero and incredible and amazing. Um, and he is my biggest fan. But growing up, it was it was a little bit of okay, that's a hobby that might not necessarily be a career. So kind of pushing towards like business studies and things yeah. <clears throat> at college. As if dad would. Yeah, which I, I, I get it. And I, I respect it as well. And I appreciate that because actually what he taught me was the importance of, of survival financially mm. and business and things. And the things I've learned from him has been incredible. Um, but my parents divorced uh, when I was about seven and there was there's quite an age gap between me and my brother. My brother and I were five years apart and I'm the oldest. So going through a divorce and then going through um, having having your sibling that's really, really young, like not feeling like I had much support, which sounds fucking horrible. And I, I don't mean that against my parents at all. I think they're legends, but going through that art was always something that I could go back to that was my comfort and, and escape, art. Yeah. yeah absolutely but but also a best friend because 
of changing schools and living other places and not being able to go out and play with like kids at my age and stuff there was um a bit of crime that happened where I lived and around the area um the whole Sarah Payne murder and stuff like this happened when I was the same age as her and that was literally down the next town so understandably my mum was like you're not fucking going out yeah um so so it was kind of me in my room and and playing with paint and yeah just having fun with it so it's always been a, a constant best friend and now I use it as more of a therapy as well so when was it you realized that you wanted to be an artist oh my gosh like when I could walk I think so but to be fair I was like I want to be an artist and then like the week after I was like I'm gonna be an actress I'm gonna be a famous actress <laughs> oh, of course. and then the week after that I was like I quite like ballet but then the week after that I did karate so yeah. fuck that up didn't I but <laughs> I, I kind of I, I was always of the opinion that anything creative I just loved it I loved anything that I could just express myself in because yeah. I think doing that anyway as a person was or as a child growing up was quite difficult because it was very it was very much adult shit I had to deal with growing up yeah so to be able to do something creative I could play I could have fun and and in a sad way I could also escape who I was as a person like and and just put everything all the shit stuff aside and just play in that moment so it was through school I was like, right, I'm, I'm going to be an artist. And then it was like, right, college. But Chelsea, you've got to do business studies because, you know, you've got to make money doing yeah. business. And yeah. Maybe you should do business. So I was like, okay, so I do that. Failed that, Oz. <laughs> um, and then I was like, right, okay, seriously, I'm going to be an artist. So go to university. I relocated. I moved down to sunny Southampton and been here 10 years. Did my degree in fine art and then through that the degree itself was brilliant but it was definitely catered for those who want to be involved in the tape or create art not on a commercial level and for me I've never thought my work or what I do is good enough for that level so I was like right well Well, I don't think saying it's not good enough it's just different you, you you're not going for that market you're going for the commercial market so yeah exactly yeah yeah it's just different Thank you, honey. Bless you. But but yes, but during university, there was no one that told me it's okay to be a commercial artist. There was almost this like looking down upon you if you are. So out of the back of university, my uh, uh, uni tutor actually was a hero and she gave me a big confidence boost. So after uni, I kind of took a couple of years out and I worked in a polythene manufacturers because, you know, I'm a fucking rock star. (laughs) Um, But after that was all said and done, I was like, fuck this, I need art again. So I just then sat down and I was like, oh, okay, this is my happy space. This is what I know. And and it was at that moment where I was like, okay, this is a serious thing now. Like, I'm going to push this. And and if this time next year, Rogers, I'll become a millionaire. Brilliant. If not, then at least I've had fun doing it on the way. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah, so it's kind of a weird one. I think I've always wanted to be an artist. It's just I've never pushed myself to the serious side of doing it until the last few years, which is why I'm still quite a newbie in the world. Um, you mentioned earlier about the fear of rejection, which is why you don't approach galleries. I had that same fear of, of rejection. And when I applied to a couple of galleries to show with them, I had a couple of rejections and, and I did take it personally. This is a yeah. much fucking help with what I'm about to say. 
it changed and I don't know how it changed. Um, but I had a bit of disconnect from the emotion of sending my work away. I saw it somehow that it was a possibly a business transaction rather than, because I have no idea why they turned my work away. It's just straight away. I was thinking they don't like where I'm coming from. My little chip on the shoulder was going, oh, you're yeah. you bastard. You know? Yeah, or rather they don't like it. Oh, yeah. they don't like me. Because yeah. artwork is so personal, especially to the artist creating it. Um, it's such a kind of inherently personal thing. It's hard not to be like, oh shit, like they clearly don't like me or or what I do. Like not just my artwork, but me yeah. as a person. And I, yeah, I, I completely understand. I think there is an element where I need to sometimes just be like, okay, cool, business head, fucking email a thousand people. If one person gets back with a yes, then that's a win. But I think it's just kind of, I don't know, it terrifies me because I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to be one of those artists that's on a list from a gallery and they go, no, no, no. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And even to a point where I've had, I've had a couple of dealings with galleries before and they, they actually didn't go very well at all. I, I won't name names obviously. Um, but the first opportunity, nothing was selling and I ended up visiting and the day I visited, I sold two of my paintings um, on their behalf because I was just there. And yeah, a yeah. lady came in and she was like, oh, my God, you're the artist. I love your work. And I was like, oh, cool. And kind of went into a bit of sales mode. But I ended up selling two pieces. And that was it. Nothing else sold after that when I wasn't yeah. there. So I was kind of like, OK, and the 50 percent was still taken. And it was like, OK, cool. Like, I get that you're a business. But what the fuck, I sold my own work. Like. <laughs> So I kind of, it got to a point where I was like, okay, cool. And I managed to like get out of that gallery without without there being a major issue or anything like that, because I don't want any burnt bridges or negativity. I think people are all just trying to survive and do business. And, and I respect that. But um, yeah, the second one I, I was speaking with and they'd sent me an invitation to a private viewing and uh, naively probably I was just like oh, they want to see me oh they want to meet me oh like because I was recommended to them through yeah. an artist friend um and she was actually being represented by that gallery as well and she'd mentioned me to them so then I get this invitation and I'm like oh my god like, this is awesome uh, and then I ended up getting there and this was actually off the back of a flight from Turkey, landing at Gatwick, running to London on the train, like cabs and oh, I can't actually explain to you how stressful that moment was. Um, but I finally got there um, and then I was having a really nice conversation with the manager who I assumed had sent me the invitation. I don't know. It was all a bit of a mystery. Yeah. And then um, as soon as I mentioned, because she'd kind of turned around and been like, oh, so what do you do? And I was a bit like, oh, uh, I, I'm an artist. And then it was all of a sudden a, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just going to go and see this other person now. Move. And I was just like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, I was actually also going to ask you about this painting that I was quite interested in because my husband and I buy artwork all the time. Yeah. I say all the time when we can afford it. Um, but when we can, we're bloody grabbing it. And there was one piece there and, and it was, for, I would say, it was for quite a bit of money as well. Um, and I'd actually asked her towards the end, I was like, oh, did, would you mind sending me the details of that artwork? Um, just so I could then go home and measure up the wall that I was looking at. 
she never emailed me, never spoke to me. I emailed no reply, nothing. And I was yeah. just like, oh, fucking hell, okay. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't think you can sort of um, use that as a as one of your main experiences because it sounds like oh, she no, was just on sales mode. And I know oh, yeah, you were trying yeah, to yeah. buy work as well. Yeah, but, um, no, absolutely, absolutely. But but then if she had been on true sales mode, she would have sold me that painting yeah, there and then. Exactly. Because I was already halfway there. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it's a weird one. I mean, I am still a fledgling in the art world, especially the commercial side of things. I don't want to kind of I don't want to put myself out there to be ridiculed or judged or anything like that. But I think if you don't do that, then opportunities don't happen. So I think you but are as right. A I need to, I need artist, to look at galleries. That's part of the game, isn't it? You know, you're inviting people to look at your work, and if they're looking at it, they're going to judge it, be it good or bad or or indifferent, aren't they? You know. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Oh, the amount of people that I've had that have tipped up to my my stall or my exhibition space and taken one looked and gone Ooh, and then walked away um but, but I, then I, I that's like that for courses isn't it you know it, it, absolutely I've, I've yeah. done that you know I've, I've walked around the art fairs you know you you do spend a few seconds before I've even got to the stand you can yeah. see whether you like the artwork or not and many times I've, yeah. you know I just walk straight past them because it's just not my cup of tea not yeah, that art is bad, love- it's just not my taste yeah, and I, I love that. I think I think that's why art is so important because, especially in the world of abstract art as well, abstract arts definitely you either love it or you hate it. Yeah. But then, if you love an abstract artwork piece, another abstract artist you might absolutely despise. So, it's it is a difficult one. It's it's a bit of a minefield, and I, I don't really want to please everyone. Yeah. Um, I am who I am, and I I don't want to dilute my artwork just to sell. Uh, I mean, sales would be great because I've still got to pay bills and stuff like this. I mean, we're all human beings, but yeah, I, I found I found it a couple of times where I have rushed works for a show, yeah. or I've rushed getting things finished for a show, and even even my husband would agree. Like, you turn around and look at it and be like, mm, "It's a bit naff that one," uh, and even I would. I'm the my biggest critic I'll, I'll do a piece and i'll be like nope shit ignore or change it but have you, um, do you think you've figured out your formula yet it, it sounds like just by what you're saying there that that you haven't quite discovered yourself yet no not at all not at all I've, it's still a journey and a process and i'm still getting there and even if i'm like 75 shitting in a nappy or whatever and i finally find myself i will do the biggest dance ever it would be great but I think I think I there was so much pressure on me in my education growing up through art that you have to have your niche you have to have your originality that fucking word drives me insane because it was always this like unicorn that you would never ever capture because it just would never happen to the likes of you and and being original and it, it was just so difficult to find my originality or my niche and this that and the other so I kind of I'm still trying to get there I'm still but but I'm not putting too much emphasis on it I I'm just doing what I do and if people like it brilliant if they don't cool that's the the uniqueness in a person is that if you're trying to to find something 
you're never going to look, you know, you're never going to be happy. Never. You're never going to yeah. find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, Absolutely. if you just create, it will, it will come out on the canvas in the end. Do you study as in um, sketch and... So I do, I do do illustrational stuff as well. Like some of my stuff is so completely different to what my art is or my paintings are. Um, I doodle and I, I kind of just work through whatever it is. If I've got a bit of inspiration, I'll just play. Like I, I did some canvases that were a bit like Jackson Pollock for what, at one point and other pieces that I paint with my feet and stuff. And, and then I, I made... Um, I mean, you can't see it because this is a podcast. There's no visual, but you can because you can see it on the camera. But I made a bee with gold wings. And I'm like, <laughs> nice. I mean, why the fuck would I make that? Yeah, yeah. But it's just a bright pink fluorescent clay bee with gold leaf um, wings. Well, I don't know. I don't know why I did that. But uh, so I do. I, I study, but I study in my own way. I don't necessarily pick something and I go, right, I'm going to do this over and over and over again until I get it right. Because... I was always forced to do that in school and college and stuff. Yeah. Like you had to be great at something, not just good at everything. So yeah. I'm not saying that I'm good at everything. Oh my God, that sounded so well, fucking when I When I said study, <laughs> when I said study, I didn't mean learn. I meant do studies or experiments with, with colour or shape. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Like doing something completely different to your everyday, you know, like tomorrow, for instance, collage, you know, yeah. just, have a have a day of playing with collage and shape and yeah. texture and then you know color and pattern the next day you know and then yeah. people are buying Chelsea Lee Winterbottom aren't they and if if you don't know what you are it's going to be hard for them to know what you are you know yeah 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 no no I completely understand that completely understand that so when it comes to like the study stuff absolutely so my little clay animals and stuff and I've done some more um abstract paintings just using color um and that's been something that's been really useful through last year the first lockdown and the second lockdown and stuff is really kind of just experimenting in different areas and different things not just regurgitating the same style that I do yeah um so I have I have been kind of ex exploring different avenues as such um but yeah we just see see how it goes really I agree it's it's one of those if an artist doesn't necessarily have something that they can be kind of labeled with if that makes yeah. sense yeah um it, it's hard for then customers or clients or even just people in general to then go oh okay this person equals this yeah um, it is difficult because I think I equal many different things. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do try to, especially when I do shows and exhibitions and on my website and stuff as well. I do, I do try to showcase uh, a professional side of the artworks I create, not just a, a, a vomit explosion of all this creativity that actually is what I do. Yeah. <laughs> because what you said earlier that you was looking for commercial inspiration at, at university and everyone was geared towards the art gallery mine's the other way around I wanted to produce these works that would or could end up in Tate Modern or the White yeah. Cube you know that that was yeah. my mindset and then when it comes to me stopping work and being a full-time artist and I had to do something a bit more commercial I was properly like a fish out of water um, really? uh, yeah I was in a field that I didn't 
know, understand or, or like, to be honest, you know, face to face trying to mm. sell someone my work. I fucking hated that VR show where we first met face to face. It was a beautiful concept, yeah. a beautiful idea, but I hate trying to sell, sell my work, you know, it's, and, and I know that, that with me, yeah. I know that it's like you said earlier, it's me that sells my work because my work, like, like you were saying, it, it goes from one thing to another, to another, and people have got to buy mm. into me to then buy into my, to my work. Mike and I have bought a piece from you. Yeah. And the piece we bought from you was, I, we absolutely love it. And we finally opened it because we're getting our framer to get it framed <laughs> nice. and it's fucking awesome and they can't wait because we're actually redecorating the whole dining room now because we're doing a massive gallery wall it's going to be awesome anyway uh, we kind of fell in love with you and your artwork was an extension of you so it was kind of like yes bit of gary let's go like does that make sense or no, does exactly. that a little bit psychotic that's, that's exactly <laughs> what we're all trying to do isn't it we're trying to yeah. be as one, having it as a, like you but say, just, a representation think, of our personality. Absolutely, but your your artwork, the, the piece that we've got makes makes more sense because of who you are and having the conversations with you and listening to you, listening to your podcasts, watching your videos and things like that and, and getting to know you as an artist, it makes your artwork make more sense. And for us, it gives more of a, an attachment to it. It's the same with Will Claridge. Like Will, Will's work is beautiful. And we've got a piece of his as well. Mike got me a piece for Christmas. And I absolutely adore it. And it's certain relationships that you have with people and connections that you have with people where you want to invest in them, not just buy a piece of artwork and yeah, like Rugman's another example as well yeah, like absolutely cool, adore him yeah so we've got loads of his pieces downstairs and again he's just such a nice guy and that fucker honestly he can he's draw such anybody. a nice fella I like him so much yeah no he's a good guy he's a good guy which is again another reason why not having shows fucking suck because you yeah. can't you can't really see all your art friends and it's like oh god damn it <laughs> What artwork has got the strongest emotional connection that you've created? I would say they're all quite strong, but in different ways. But I think the strongest is probably my first pieces that I did. Um, and that was a really, really tiny, itty-bitty series called The Golden Collective. And it was, I think it was only like six paintings or eight paintings, maybe. And I've got most of them. I didn't want to sell most of them. <laughs> so I was kind of like drop drop feeding them every now yeah, and then. Yeah. Um, but like marking them as sold because I just thought, uh, I don't want to sell them. <laughs> um, but I think they have the most emotional attachment purely because that was my, I, I kind of call it a bit of a rebirth. And that was the moment where it was kind of like my first real commitment to abstract art because before then it was and this was about a year or two before Roy's so this was only a few years ago and this was very very like recently in in the grand scheme of things but um it was just that moment where I was kind of like oh holy shit this this is an avenue this this feels right yeah and I'd done illustration for most of my life before that and video art and photography and this that and the other I'd never really expected expressed myself or even had a 
any relationship with abstract art apart from liking it yeah. um, I've never done it myself so those earlier paintings I think for me have more of a of a relationship a kindred kind of relationship mm. I think um emotionally than, than quite a few of my other paintings so but they're all they're all emotionally attached to me just different in different ways yeah would you do to relax shoot <laughs> Uh, clay pigeons don't shoot actual animals yeah um we uh my husband and i we love i love going shooting we like we like shooting that's good fun it's good giggle what we do is we go clay pigeon shooting and then we hire guns there and we have an instructor and teacher and we do lessons and we shoot competitively amongst each other and what is it you like about that the thrill i think and it's it's a weird one though because it's a bit nostalgic when I was a yeah. kid and I've got my dad's air rifles and this uh, shooting targets and tin cans and stuff so yeah I don't know it's it's just been one of those where it's it's quite therapeutic and, and relaxing even though it's a shotgun going off in your in your collarbone and the yeah. noise going through your ears but no it's that's one of the things but obviously it's difficult because because it's not considered a um because it's an outdoor sport but because of the new lockdown rules we can't go there anymore can't do that but I um I do a lot of reading as well I read loads again I think another form of escapism really because I read yeah. like fantasy novels and then I read a lot of crime stuff and yeah but yeah a mixture of things I did my master's in criminology and criminal justice so I do a lot of really? that <laughs> and, and is that an area that you do you look at true crime in your reading? Yeah, so I've got I, I've got one bookcase dedicated to true crime and then crime nonfiction, all that kind of genre stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then I've got another bookcase that's all like my Harry Potter and my Game of Thrones. And yeah, so I do I do do quite a bit of true crime stuff. I'm forever watching true crime documentaries and and things like that. And I, I used to do quite a bit of like article writing and stuff just just for myself. Like yeah. I never never anything published or anything but yeah it's a weird one uh, not a lot of people know that I'd, i've done that oh nice if there was you and five other artists past and present what would your ideal group show be oh, oh i don't want to sound too cliche about just sounding honest okay honest honestly am i one of the five or have i got five additional yeah it's, yeah, it's your exhibition you're in it my ex- I do what the fuck I want, Gary. It's my exhibition. I'll tell you what I'm doing. (laughs) So I'd have, I'd have Frida Kahlo. Perfect. I would have Dali, just because I think I just want to have a beer with him and see what happens. I'd actually have yourself, and that sounds really like brown nosy, but I'm just going to say it because I'm being, this is an honest answer. I'd have yourself, I'd have Will Claridge, and I'd have, I'm having two more people. Fuck it, there's six. It's my show. I'm having Eddie and DSR because we'd have a right laugh, I think. And I don't think none of us would care about selling anything. I think we'd all just find a profound <laughs> moment in life and really just push the boundaries of what art yeah. is to us. Yeah. No, good. Squad that's, that's lovely. Good <laughs> on you. Well done. Chelsea, if you wasn't an artist, what would you like to be? Oh, God. If I wasn't an artist, what would I be? Mm. I don't know. Maybe something like David Attenborough, where he just goes around chatting about nature and having a laugh. 
that's pretty cool, i think I, I don't know nature for me is so important again that's a massive in, influence on what i do like color palettes and stuff yeah. uh, probably something to do with nature maybe like digging up dinosaur bones or something that'd nice. be sick yeah maybe, like, find the next t-rex or something i don't know i've never really thought about it that's weird isn't it um right so this is a hard question for anyone at the moment with lockdown have you got anything coming up or what have you got going on at the moment? So TikTok's taken over my life. <laughs> I'm so addicted to it. I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to do this because it's another social media platform. It's another platform for exposure. I'm just gonna have to go for it. I'm just gonna have to try it out. And I've not put my fucking phone down. It's oh. a joke. So I know it sounds really silly and, and probably a little bit childish. But I, I'm making fun videos and I'm doing art and I'm recording it and I'm showcasing it in my own little way and I'm working on social media stuff. And yeah, I mean, there's no shows coming up immediately. Um, there is Roy's in May and then I'm doing Goodwood Racecourse with Sussex Art Fairs in May. Nice. Hopefully, maybe if they go ahead. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, I'd love to be able to do more... Um, like online stuff so maybe like an online exhibition or something look into doing stuff like that um there's um uh, what else am I working on oh I've also kind of thought about maybe doing a couple of podcasts myself but incorporate incorporating um like basically getting pissed um, so just getting drunk and talking about art and life and the universe. I listen to quite a lot of podcasts, actually, but I don't know. I think sometimes, which is weird because I'm going to hear this back at some point, but I always feel as if I sound like a five year old girl on the phone whenever I hear my voice recorded. So it's, uh, yeah, but I might have a niche audience. You never know. Yeah, I've always been conscious. I think I've mentioned this to you before. I've always been conscious about my accent in the art world being mm. this loud, brash, cockney bloke who's always laughing no, and swearing. I think it's your signature, though. I think you are so lucky with that, whereas I grew up in the Surrey Hills, so I used to talk quite boshly, but I've lived in Southampton for 10 years, so I've got, like, this weird um, mongrel-like accent that doesn't really go anywhere, whereas yeah. with you, that's your signature. I love that. It's all right what other people think of it, but if you've not come to terms with it yourself, it's a hindrance, you know? Yeah, And fair. because I yeah. was conscious of it... I've gone, took the ball by the horns and gone, well, fuck it, I'm going to do a podcast, let everyone hear my voice. You, know? get, you so, get yourself used to it as much yeah. as everyone else. One of the biggest areas that I struggle with as an artist and as a person in general, and I think you may have seen this today, but if, because the way my anxiety is and how I can get a bit flustered sometimes, someone will ask me a simple question like, what colour is the sky? And I'll be like, oh, well, uh, originally it was this. And then, but, but then sometimes other people think this, and then I think this, but then on top of it, I, this is actually the fact, but then I'm not sure about that. But then you can I'm also exactly talk about the, the moon. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of the one of the main things I messaged you about when I saw your live interview with Roy. And it, it spurred me to message you just to say hello and introduce myself. And that was one of my main questions because it was a conflict within myself because I was doing um, a little bit more like interviewee stuff and I was, uh, I wanted to do my own like video or tutorial or like even just in general how I present myself and how I present my artwork. And it was like, okay, well, 
he's really confident in himself and the way he talks and I swear like a fucking sailor and it shows I feel like I can't at all even if I say the word shit I shudder because I'm like oh god judgment um so that was one of the main questions I had to you was like how how do you do that basically because for me it was always like I have to put on this like salesy voice and this salesy persona and 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 try and look and act as professional as possible whereas more recently when I did my live interview with Will um the other week I got a few weeks ago and then obviously with this podcast now with yourself it's I'm getting a little bit more used to actually being me and showing people that side of me. Yes, I swear. Yes, I'm, I have opinions. Yes, I'm a bit fucking doolally. Um, but it's, it's it, for me, it's been really fucking important. And I thank you for that as well, because oh. you were a big kind of push for me to do that, whether you knew it or not, because you were just like, this is a random chick who I've never met before. Yeah, but, but when, it when really you're helped. saying that how confident I am, I ain't. That's the thing. I've just figured out how to give the illusion of confidence because I, I'm still the same person I was before where I'm Absolutely, fucking yeah. tight and I'm scared of these conversations. That imposter syndrome is still there. Yeah. But, but it's, I'm it's starting to come to terms with I'm in the art world. And do you know when you've when you've spoken to people before and you've walked away and gone, oh, they're so fucking fake. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you're trying not to be you, you're going to you come are. across like that. Yeah. And that's what... Yeah. I, that's what I don't like. I, I like people to be honest with themselves. I mean, yeah, this is what happened to me though. When I was early out in my first shows, I was very much a hello, how are you? Like, even my voice changed, and I wouldn't fucking swear. And even my posture, I have got horrific posture. I look like a slightly more attractive fucking hunchback of Notre Dame. Like, fuck me. Honestly, it's bad. But I would change my posture and everything. And it, oh, yes, I'm so professional. But that's only for me because I lack the confidence in this world, in yeah. the art world, because I'm so new. Whereas my actual jobs for however long, I've always been in sales. So you give me a product and you tell me to sell it and I'll fucking sell you out. And I'm on it and I can do it but I think in the art world it was difficult like initially for me which is why more recently I've become kind of this is a bit more of me and this is who I am whereas before it was difficult to not be that sales modey because in my field in commercial art where I do try and create pieces to sell I hope that that's something that you can see throughout my work is my love, my passion, my soul, and the artwork itself has got soul. But sometimes you can see works that are, the only way I can describe it is flat but and exactly just that. mass produced. Like and If anyone's creative and puts a lot of them in their work, it mm. does emit from there. You know, sometimes it's a fucking, yeah. it's a language that we're putting onto the yeah. canvas and we're trying to tell someone else. Sometimes people don't understand the language that you've created. That's fine. You know, that's the person that walks past and goes, yeah, it's all right. They haven't I love that, Gary. That's fucking sick. They haven't quite understood our language. but It is so open for interpretation. And unfortunately, interpretation comes along opinion as well. But there are elements where you've just, you do, you just look at pieces and you go, what? I love artists that create works that's super different to my own, like Rugman and DS and, and all those kind of guys. Like, I really appreciate artworks that initially I go, wow. 
And then if there's something else that makes me go even more wow, then that's a fucking dream. Well, but there are... They're la- that's what we were talking about earlier. It's their language that you understand. Yeah, we, yeah we, absolutely. You know, we've all got, we've all, we all speak in the same language. It's just some of our accents are a lot different from each other's, aren't they, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what I struggle with sometimes with my work is because you can look at a piece of mine and you can go, oh, a nice abstract painting. But without me then explaining that it's a self-portrait and all of that kind of stuff, it, it's difficult because it either gains more meaning or it actually then becomes to a point where it loses its meaning. Yeah. Because again, it's so open for interpretation because it's so abstract. And because so, if there, then that's where I believe the title is necessary because the title is that link yeah. between the artwork and you. But if you, yeah, I've never thought yours, about that before. If you had yours called um, the Emotion Series, yeah, um, it's making more of a relationship there. Yeah, I called mine the Time Series. So yeah, straight away you go towards this padlock, and then when you see its tallies, you go, oh, of course, that's the relationship with the time. So it's to do with yeah, that's, prison tallies yeah. is him marking on the wall. And then when people say how many are in there, how many tallies, I say, I don't know. And then they go, well, why not? I said, well, it's a fucking waste of time. Being in prison was a waste of time. But yeah. because of that waste of time, I've become an artist. It's like because of me just sitting there doing all these tallies, I've created a, a fine yeah. detailed drawing. You know, I've said to people, if, if you want to count them, count them. What have you gained? Nothing, because there's there's no reason for that many being in there. So you've just wasted your time fucking counting them. And I've yeah, had someone come back and say that the print they've counted has got blah, blah, blah amount of tallies in there. What does it represent? I had no idea how many was in it. I was just marking tallies. You've just wasted your time. It's answered your question that was of no relevance to me. Fuck, I love that. Um, anything else you want to mention? Um... No, not really, honey. Apart from thank you and thank you for this opportunity and thanks, oh, thanks for being you, Gary. Oh, that's all. Right. <laughs> 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 oh, I totally should have screenshot that. Uh, you're quite all right, darling. No, it's we need we need more people with a bit of fun in this fucking art world that's, that's yeah it's so serious sometimes oh, it it's, it is be. it's hard work it is hard work but honestly have a look at sarah maples i will sexy nazi shark show she's a fucking inspiration thank you so much honey and this has been really nice as well just chatting shit hey there you are that was bloody good fun wasn't it and we've all had that little bit of angst and anxiety in our lives right I mean, as I said at the start, Chelsea's well aware that it will come with time. It's just a, it's just a bloody complete pain in the arse waiting for that time to come. If you're able, go and visit Chelsea on social media. On Instagram, at least, she is at Chelsea Lee Winterbottom. We've got another great episode next week. Like Jenny Eclair a couple of weeks ago, next week's guest is a writer and comedy actor off the old telly box. But who that is will remain a secret until nearer the time. Like I say every week, on whichever platform you listen to this podcast, you should be able to leave a comment. If you could do that, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. If you've got any queries, drop us a line on social media at Ministry of Arts Org. 
If you're enjoying these episodes, spread the word of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're not, well, fuck you. You won't be listening to this bit anyway. And those of you that are, thanks for listening. And until next week, ta-da. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.